the hell you need ball bearings for? Oh, come on, guys. It's so simple. Maybe you need a refresher course. Hey, it's all ball bearings nowadays. All right, Starting Strength fans, it's Pete Troopas to give you the rundown on everything we have coming up for Starting Strength events. Seminars. Next one will be in Wichita Falls, September 11th through the 13th. Then Denver, Colorado at Starting Strength Denver on October 16th through the 18th. And then finishing out this year will be back in Wichita Falls on December 11th through the 13th. If you're looking to become a starting strength coach or just get better at coaching the lifts, we do have coaching development camps available. The next one will be in Denver at Starting Strength Denver on August 29th, and that'll be covering how to coach the squat. We do have another one of our new format camps on the list, the Self-Sufficient Lifter Camp. That's going on August 15th in Wichita Falls, where we cover the squat, the press, and the deadlift. But we also teach you the best angles to film from and how to diagnose your shitty form. Our next three lift camp covering the squat, the press, and the deadlift will be in Singapore at Hygieia Strength and Conditioning on November 29th. We still have our squat and deadlift camp in Moodus, Connecticut at Anino Strength. That's going on September 19th. And then we've added a new squat and deadlift camp to the list August 30th in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where there are two seasons, winter and road work. And then finally, we'll have a nutrition camp on September 12th, hosted by Bob Santana and his beautiful head of hair at Chicago Strength and Conditioning. You guessed it, Chicago. Starting Strength gyms are open and operating where you can come in and get yelled at by a coach for less than $30 a session. Find a location or to request a location or just get more information in general, head over to locations.startingstrengthgyms.com. And for more details or registration information, or just to find out if I'm actually lying to you about any of this stuff, you can head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet, ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. Uh, it's Friday. And so are you. So here we are. And uh, on Friday, we put up, as you know, a new episode of Starting Strength Radio. And in these trying times, we have been uh, searching for some some uh, spiritual relief from all the chaos and chicken shit that surrounds us on a daily basis. You know, we've got, on the one hand, we have people saying that if you leave your house without your mask on, you're going to die. And on the other hand, we have people saying that if you leave the house without your mask on, you're going to kill their grandfather. I'm tired of all this shit. So we're going to talk to Fred Ashmore today. And Fred uh, is the embodiment of fucking that. All right. Fred, thank you for being with us. I appreciate you and I appreciate your time. And uh, let's start off by saying Fred is the current holder of the Cannonball Run record. And that was 25 hours, 55 minutes. Is that, do I have the time right? Yes, that's correct. And thank you for having me here today. Uh, Fred, uh, is that a, all right, let's, we want to talk about the Cannonball Run for for a while and and because for those of you uh detached safety conscious people um 
that are watching the podcast right now that don't know what the cannonball run is, look, grow the fuck up, man. Cannonball run's important, and it's been important for a very long time because it is a rallying point for crazy people, okay? And Fred has gotten something accomplished here that nobody's ever even come close to. Uh, so, Fred, the cannonball run is what? Let's, it, 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 it is a race against time across yep. the country. It starts in it's, what garage in Brooklyn? It starts at the, the Red Ball Garage in uh, uh, New York City, and it goes to uh, Portofino Inn in Redondo Beach, Los Angeles. And the total distance is, is, is it a, you can go any way you want to between these two points, or is it, a, is it stipulated the highway route and everything? No, there's no stipulation on highway route. It is your preferred route, the you know, fastest route you can possibly right. get to uh, – uh, uh, LA and I've actually done both routes. I've done the Northern route and I've done the Southern route and set records on both of them. So, so what's the total mileage on the, on the, the longest one? On the Southern route is we, we call it 2,800 and change. Uh, right. it's, it's anywhere from 2,800 to 2,820 depending on different routes or bypasses or mm -hmm. things you may have to take the right. Northern route. Yeah, it tends to be a little bit longer depending on which which route you take, and that's that's closer to a, a twenty eight twenty is kind of the, the shortest distance on the northern route. Right, so they're both a little bit more than twenty eight hundred miles. Correct. And yep. you did that in twenty five hours and fifty five minutes, hundred twelve miles an hour average speed. That's the average speed. An average speed. Of 112 miles an hour. Now this is interesting. And if if you're not interested in this, something's wrong with you. All right. If you're not interested in this, your estrogen is too high. All right. So uh, this thing starts from this garage in Brooklyn. And is there any time of day that it is traditionally started? Morning, afternoon? Does it matter? Probably be better to get the hell out of New York at midnight or well, one o'clock well, in the morning, wouldn't it? Everything really is kind of, you know, up to you. When, when you do the transcontinental runs, you choose everything. You, you choose the day. You choose the time you leave. You choose the month. You, cho you choose the weather. I mean, most people you know, do these runs based on the weather. So, so you actually choose pretty much everything you want to choose in regards to in regards to, you know, your, your journey on a transcontinental run. So when did you choose to leave? Um, I made the choice that I was going to do something a little unorthodox. And, um, I actually chose a weekday, uh, strangely enough. And I chose a weekday because with the COVID, the way it was reacting around the New York city hub area, there was more traffic coming in during the weekday than there was going out. So, and is that the opposite of normal? Uh, yes, in a lot of aspects, because during normal times and stuff, uh, you have people coming in and out of the city in the morning during a weekday, you know, traveling to and from work. But with the New York and its, its semi-lockdown, uh, people kind of had enough of their shit and, uh, you know, started doing things on weekends. So the weekend roads started picking up a, mm -hmm. lot, a fair amount of traffic. Right. So uh, I actually went around the normal 
of leaving on a weekend, and I found a weekday basically that had the least amount of traffic leaving the city. Well, now let's further explain why yours is different uh, than the way most of the most people that approach this have approached the Cannonball Run, and you know everybody else that does this does it as a team. There's a couple of guys in the car, sometimes three guys in the car. I remember the team that did this thing a couple of months ago uh, had an extremely expensive custom-made Mercedes. Uh, which what what Mercedes was that? It was an AMG Mercedes. It was the, basically their AMG modified. shop, highly modified, extremely fast. Uh, uh, AMG Mercedes. Four-door, one guy in the back seat running nav, two guys in the front seat, one driving, the other one running radar detector or whatever the situation was. And those guys beat the piss out of the record by about an hour, and then you come along and murder them by something like two hours. And look, listen carefully, boys and girls. Fred was by himself in a rented Mustang GT. And this crazy person that you see in, on the screen next to me right here rented a Mustang GC, GT, and I don't guess we need to talk about what company you rented that from, uh, but just rented the car, took it to the shop, took the back seats out, took the passenger seats out of the goddamn thing, and put gas tanks in in the front seat, front passenger seat, in the back seat, and a, another gas tank, I believe, in the trunk. Correct. And filled the damn thing up. So here is this person who is driving at an average of 112 miles per hour, completely surrounded by hundreds of gallons of flammable liquid. <laughs> now, you, that's cool. All right. Now, who doesn't think that's fucking cool? You know? Uh, that's just, that's, that's, that's fucking amazing. So you rented the car. Let's not say the rent company name because they don't need to know and we don't need to know, but you rented a car and how long did it take you to get the thing ready to do the trip? Realistically, it took me, it took me about two to three days to get everything done. Mm -hmm. I sourced the tanks. I had to get the car first and then I had to start, uh, measuring the seat, the seat area in the back and finding tanks that were you know legitimate enough to make this run in i was i wasn't just throwing in five gallon cans and running siphon hoses out of them yeah that I takes too long optimize my my area with the amount of fuel so the the first tank that was in the way back is actually the tank that was in my uh 2019 record set in cobra and mm -hmm. that's 50 52 gallons and that actually slid right in the trunk of the 2019 gt so i already had that tank the other two tanks I had to source on a marketplace, make sure they were a semi-legitimate certified tank, and and they fit in the actual areas I needed them to. Right. And how'd you strap them down? Just tie wraps Every or what? <laughs> what <laughs> no. <do you> <laughs> no. Everything was actually bolted down with safety straps. Um, the the uh, back, the rear tank was actually tied right into the uh, tie downs of the back seat. And the, the middle tank was tied down between the uh, seat belt holes and the uh, child safety seat holes and was actually tied down 
via those, as well as the passenger side straps were actually hooked down with the seat bolts to the floor and then tightened down. Had you uh, already engineered this setup before you rented the car, or did you rent a car and then crawl in the back seat, pull the seats out, and see what you were going to do? Basically, I had to get the car in my possession first. Uh, to decide, you know, several things, you know, where I was going to access the fuel delivery on the car, uh, what size tanks I needed, and and how I was basically going to balance out this amount of fuel throughout the entire car. A lot of people just think that there was a 130-gallon gas tank hooked on the back bumper of this car, and I was driving like a maniac. <laughs> well, so. you were driving like a maniac, but that's <laughs> kind of part of the deal, right? So uh, this took you three days to get from the time you picked the car up to the time you left the Red Ball Garage. Correct. Man, that's a lot of work. That's yeah. a hell of a bunch of work in three days. Yeah. And and uh, how many people do you have helping you with that part of it? Uh, a good friend of mine in Oklahoma had a shop, and, and they'd help me with minor things, but for the most part, I, I did pretty much everything myself as far as, you know, finding the tanks, putting them in the car. Right. You know, he had a, he had a, a real reaction like most people do. You know, what the hell are you doing? with this brand new car in my garage, tearing it all apart. And, and he obviously thought I was crazy. So, uh, he just kind of looked and laughed and watched me, you know, go to work on what I was doing. What, this took place in Oklahoma. Correct. So you did the modifications in Oklahoma. Yeah. I actually rented the car in Tulsa and I have a home in Oklahoma as well that I purchased earlier this year. Right. And, uh, it, it actually really worked out good because, my friends and stuff from the area were the guys that I hired to refuel the car just off the interstate at the halfway mark. So Tulsa's about halfway. Yeah, Tulsa's about your halfway mark. That's interesting. So uh, uh, what was the total fuel capacity of the, of the, the gas tanks and the, the onboard OEM tank? Uh, I figured it out to approximately 130 gallons. It, you know, there's residual right. in there, so some of you aren't going to get out. So right, we, we it's hard to tell what. Seven hundred thirty. Right, and one refueling did Correct. the whole did the whole thing. So two hundred and sixty gallons got you to uh, Redondo Beach. Yep. Well, that's that's pretty good gas mileage, really, isn't it? Twelve point three is what it said. Hey, on the that's not bad, you know. Twelve point three, and I. I noted uh, in the story that I read about this that your your statement was, I found this fascinating, that no matter what anybody tells you, a Mustang GT will not go any faster than 159 and a half miles an hour. Now, think of the enormity of that statement. <laughs> it is uh, pretty broad. Yeah, it's a, it's a, that's, a, that's quite a statement. I mean, you actually know, don't you? I mean, it's just, it's governed at 159 and a half mile an hour, right? Yeah. And, uh, why did they exactly. pick I, that I, I number? Probably, <laughs> why did Ford decide on 159 and a half for the govern? Oh God. That's just, that's insanity. So, uh, you know, I, I've never spoken to anybody that's done this, done this, uh, uh, this race before it is a it's a race against time. There's not two cars. There's just one car and a clock. Uh, as I mentioned previously, most people have a crew with them. Most guy, most people that are driving have uh, 
a standby guy, or at least at least one, maybe two, and the driving is divided between the two people. Uh, you drove this thing and stopped for fuel once. Eight but minutes. For eight minutes was the was the fuel stop. I Correct. guess you just peed in the floor of the car. This has to <laughs> obviously be explained when you turn it in, but. Uh, no, I. Large Gatorade bottles work well. Well, let's remember that. Right, right, right. Got that right then. And uh, I, I, you know, and it, I think it's significant that uh, that Fred tells us that it's a large Gatorade bottle. So <laughs> I just don't want anybody to think. Well, I'm no, no. Something I wouldn't else. want anybody to think that anybody that would do this and they had could even use a small Gatorade bottle. <laughs> Was it, okay. was it a Mexican Coke bottle? No, 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 it wasn't one of those. Did so you carried food, you had you had some Gatorade, you had stuff that so you don't have to stop. Uh 25 and almost 26 hours is a hell of a long time to stay awake in a situation like this. Uh and you got you know, you can pull over and change out drivers and which obviously cost time. Uh, if you've got a driver to change out with, how did you stay awake for this whole deal? Just vibrating? Um, it's not terribly unusual for me to stay up these long amount of hours. When I did the run in 2019, I stayed up the whole 32 hours for that run as well and uh, stayed up the rest of the day after I'd gotten there. Uh, just the adrenaline I normally probably. drive. I normally drive 20 hours and sleep four when I bootleg for people. So you know, realistically staying up another five or six hours when you're used to staying up 20 isn't a big deal. Right. You're already adapted to that. Yeah. So when you bootleg for people, what are you doing? Uh, Corn whiskey or something else? Or should I even ask this? No no major contraband. Let's put it that way. Like a lot of times somebody will buy a new hundred or $200,000 camper across the country and they'll Uh. want it to go to 4th of July weekend and, and where a CDL guy can't do it, they'll call me and I'll head out across the country and go get their, you know, hundred, two hundred thousand dollar camper for the weekend, or they'll want their new sports car for the weekend from California back to Maine or, or wherever. And mm-hmm. they just can't get it here. So they'll hire somebody like me and I'll go get it. Well, uh, have you got a website, Fred? We need to plug you. A book, a video, something. I just I just have the black book. People that know me, give me a call, and uh, if they need a hand with something, they they holler at me. You've got a you've got a little chain of contact there. Well, that's interesting. So tell us about the drive. Tell us about the drive. Was it eventful? Was this you've done these before? How did this one compare to the previous times? This one was was obviously different because I've only done a, a, one other solo. And uh, this was the fastest one by all means. Really, it's hard to make it exciting because there's so much monotony going on for 26 hours. Yeah. I mean, most people can't sit in their living room for four hours and and binge watch a TV without getting up and going to the bathroom or go making something to eat. So um, really, you know, once I got out of New York and got on the road and everything starts being taken up by math calculations and checking in with with my brother back home to, to try to hit my marks, watching for cops. Uh, the first half of the trip, other than a little construction here or there where I get on the wrong side of the cones, you know, to get around people. Uh, other than that, the first half of the trip 
was highly uneventful. Right. Well, it's just passing a bunch of cars all day. Yeah. It's yeah, just it's, one after another passing a whole bunch of cars. Uh, you know, I all right, here's a just full disclosure here. I've got two fast cars. All right, I've got a 11, a 2011 Shelby Cobra GT500 Mustang. Yep. It's a death trap. I don't recommend anybody drive it. It's a fucking death trap. It's about three times as fast as the suspension is designed for. Yep. It's an idiot's car. It's like a really, really, really fast dump truck. Yep. All right. And I have, in addition to that, I have a 2008 model BMW M6 with a six-liter stroker motor in it that is, wow. that is uh, it's, it's, it's also stupid. But it's drivable. And the Mustang is not the yeah. when, when the, the 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 M6 at 130 miles an hour drives just like it does at 75 miles an hour. Yep. It just gets faster and it sucks down on the highway at 120 miles an hour. The Mustang is about to leave the pavement. Yeah, yep. I mean it, it, it. You'll just wad yourself up in the bar ditch in that damn thing. I just I just it's stupid car yep. I, I don't know how they designed it that badly but it's just god i hate it but it starts and it runs and it's kind of dependable transportation so i haven't sold it yet but i don't like driving it uh yep. as near as much as i do the m6 uh my question when i first heard this that you had done this this thing is that is the, the, was this a 2020 gt that you rented or 19, 19. what was is a 19. Yep, and has that car been redesigned since oh, the yeah. 11? That's a 7th gen, 7th generation. It's a completely different animal. A completely different animal. Oh, thank God. Yeah. yeah uh, completely different. I've got, a, I've got a hard straight rear end in this, and you've got an independent yeah. rear suspension. That had to make a big, giant difference. Oh, de definitely it does. It helps the car plant better and corner, especially with the added fuel in the back of the car. Uh, my first uh, uh, experience with that was when I built my Cobra for 2019. It was a 79 Mustang wide-body Cobra from Miami Vice, but I put 2001 Cobra powertrain in it, so it had IRS and, you know, a wide-body kit, so the car was a foot wide than normal, and it was it was just night and day from any Fox body you'd ever gotten into. Right. And uh, moving into this car, this car was a a, a, a very refined way better version of, of what i had before and it's just a it's just a way better car yeah ford did that though this was a stock oh yeah, yeah. stock rental right yeah. a stock yeah. gt5 and that's a uh is that a five liter v8 yeah, it's a five liter it's a premium it has a drag pack in it and... right yeah i think mine's a 5.4 aluminum motor and yeah. it's 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 scary fast it's got that blower on it and shit you stick your foot in that thing and it just every time you do that the back end is going to come out from under you it's yep. just it's a it's an idiot's car it really is yep. and uh and uh if you know i probably will sell it before i get killed in it because i just dislike driving the damn thing because it it's yep. so if you different can't enjoy driving them. 
No, if you can't enjoy driving them, I mean, the damn thing. I mean, why else have the thing? Exactly. You know, if I yep. wanted just for transportation, I'd get a Camry, right? Sure. I mean, what's yep. wrong with a Camry? Nothing, except it's a Camry. You know, it just doesn't look as cool. That's no, no, it doesn't. I mean, you know, I pull up to the gas station in that in my in my Shelby, and uh, all the kids. <laughs> Oh man, nice car. You know, you get compliments. Three or four people pull through and say, hey, "What? A, that's a great car, man. Nice car, right?" I pull up to the in the gas station in the in the BMW, and nobody knows what the hell it is. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I can I can count on the fingers of one hand the number of people that have remarked on that, even though it's a that's a seven hundred and twenty five horsepower car. Yeah. And. Uh, Normally aspirated, seven hundred twenty-five horsepower wow. car. Oh, it's a it's it's vicious, but it but it's a pleasure to drive. But it's a BMW, which means that it's a piece of junk, despite the fact that it is a nice car and fun to drive. It's a BMWs are essentially computers with a car. Yeah, yeah. They, they come with a, with a car built around it. What it is. And if there's some problem with the computer, you know, I, I've talked to people who've had BMWs. They say the first time one of the lights on the dash comes on about 40,000 miles, trade it in. Oh, yes. I agree. Yeah. Just yep. get, heard it a hundred times. Get out of there. Yep. <laughs> you do not want to own the thing. You want to lease it. So, uh, and this is essentially what you did with the Mustang. So the trip itself was uh, rather uneventful. No wrecks, the, no tickets. the first half of it. Well, when I got to St. Louis, we had put down a pretty good, a pretty fast number as far as averaging. And then I got tailed right after between St. Louis and uh, Tulsa. I had, I got tailed pretty hard. And uh, right after I got tailed. What did that involve? Oh, uh, just a, just an officer come up behind me and, and rode on the back of my car at the, at the speed limit for a little while and started taking away from my average, but. So we you had to slow down when that happened, and right, and then he turned around and left when he got to the edge of his jurisdiction, and then yep. you ramped it back up. Yeah, right. oh, I brought it back up. And and what you do on these runs is you try to make as much cushion as you can on the front side because right. you always start losing on the other side of the country. It's it's just the way it is. Right. People people think you can drive faster on the westerns, but you you've lost so many things. You've lost your your um you're you're not as aware you're not as on point you're not as pumped up you don't right. have as much adrenaline going you're you're you're, you're, you're tired um, you're getting exhausted sure yeah yeah your attention span kind of goes away from me so you want to build as much as you can on we call you know the, the right hand side of the country you want to get right. that get a, a good buffer you know if you have a number you're looking at you want to have that buffer by the time you get i would say to st louis really and uh, we had the good buffer, and then right after St. Louis, you know, little things started happening. Uh, I was tailed for a little while, and then I caught an officer. Catching an officer is oh, just that's, as bad as being Oh, tailed. God almighty, yeah, you're <laughs> prima facie convicted if you do that. <laughs> yeah, so you just, right. you just kind of follow along, and, and uh, I got through Tulsa. I, once that guy got off, I, I made some blistering times in Tulsa, and right after Tulsa was where my fuel stop was. And I got off and pulled in behind, and they fueled me up with a bolt truck with a 20-gallon-per-minute pump. And I was gone, and I was I was at already at 130, 140 when I, I got a message from the guys refueling me, and the police were there. Wow. They, How'd they yeah, know? 
apparently either I got called in coming through Tulsa or I get spotted just off the interstate. Somebody spotted you being fueled, called it in. And so what did they say to the fuel crew? Hey man, don't do that. (laughs) No, they really didn't even, they didn't even really confront him. But, uh, the guys, I don't think they really knew who they were looking for other than the silver Mustang. So my buddies actually took some pictures of the police officers and, uh, you know, sent them to me and we laughed about it and, and I got out of Dodge. (laughs) Oh, that's great. So, uh, the trip wraps up in California in LA County and that's at a hotel in Redondo beach. Correct. So when you're leaving, Man, when you're leaving Brooklyn and when you're coming into Redondo Beach, what do you do? Well, Are you speed limit there or and and essentially what time you've made you've already made or do you do you push on it even then? Well, I actually got once I got to California, I got held up at the agricultural checkpoint, which they uh, with the whole COVID thing. They were a little more scrupulous than they have been in the past of, right. of stopping cars to check them. And I actually lost, you know, 20-ish minutes there in, oh, at God that checkpoint. It's in a line. Back to yeah. them checking for grapefruit coming into California. Yeah, um, I, I think it was a double, kind of a double whammy here where parts of California was shut down. They were, they were also asking people. I, I got asked what my business was because obviously I was in a Texas car. Um, the car had Texas plates on it. And. I basically told the guy I was an essential worker and I was reporting for work and bringing all my stuff. So, you know, when he just quick, I glanced my car, it was kind of, you know, okay, you'll get out of here. But I still had to sit in that line and, and wait yeah. to get to the front. And they tore somebody's car apart ahead of me. And uh, they eventually oh wound up waving through. So this thing might have been two, 25 hours and 30 minutes. That had was had there been no damn line. That's nuts. So yeah. the previous fastest run of this thing was what? My previous or the No, previous the one? previous fastest run. The previous one that we know about that it's kind of sort of been released was the the 2638 that some some guys did in the Audi. And they it's kind it got a lot of press and it got a lot of credit and these guys just kind of fell off the face of the earth. It was it was kind of weird the way the whole thing took place. Right. It was all built right up high, and then just like a balloon, it deflated and it was gone. So the the fastest number that somebody had said was twenty six thirty eight, but there was no there were no names, no faces. No, well, that's not, not official anymore. then. Obviously, yeah. if nobody owns up to it. It didn't occur, right? And uh, they they used the name Captain Chaos and, and things like that. Oh, and, you know, fuck yeah. those guys. So, uh, uh, they don't like that. They can call me. Uh, yeah. What uh, what makes it official? Uh, really, you got to you got to have some proof. You have to have documentation. You have to have some some footage or stuff on your phone to show the places you were, time stamped. Uh, a lot of people ask me if I had filmed the run, and I was just like, well, I'm not an idiot. Uh, <laughs> I, I fall in a different category as a lot of these teams that do these runs because I'm subject to. Um, prosecution because I'm the only person in the car. If if me, you, and another guy did it, or even me and you, and they said, "Well, you sped across the country," I can say, "Well, no, that was Mark." And they right. said, well, Mark, <laughs> you, you got no country. proof to the to the contrary. Yeah, exactly. So um, 
so for me, I had to you know do everything I could to to document my run with you know photos and witnesses and right. stuff, you know, without incriminating myself to the point where, say, for instance, if I gave you information, it's not it's uh, it doesn't have information that could cause you to get pulled into court or you to get subpoenaed or to turn things over. Road and track saw all my my proof. Uh, Ed Bullion from Wikipedia looked it over in person. I brought my brother with me. He brought his evidence with him. And, uh, you know, everything is, is there. Um, the fact why they say I don't have the same proof. I didn't have anybody else in the car. Who's, it's, not right. like, it's not like I had somebody sitting with me the whole there, time. There wasn't any room for anybody else in the car. Yeah, put them on the roof. Oh, God. Uh, so, uh, well, this is, this is a fascinating process. And, uh, those of us amateurs that just have fast cars and drive them too fast risk getting a ticket. What do you do on in a, in a in a race like this in a timed event to keep from getting thrown your ass in jail? Because if they catch you going 159 and a half miles an hour, I mean that's not a ticket. No, that, no. that's not a ticket. That's a see the judge no. in the morning, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, Doug, Doug, the, Doug is a good friend of mine, Doug and Arnie, the guys who set the record in the, in the AMG. And Doug, Doug and I had dinner over Christmas, and we started talking about his time. And I basically told Doug, I said, I don't know if this is beatable by ours. And he said, really? I only think it can be beat if somebody just doesn't give a shit and just yeah. forgets about all the, all the you know, foolishness of worried about this or worried about that. And First and foremost, straight off the bat, that's that's where I started. I started out with saying, plan on going to jail. If you go to jail, pick up the pieces afterwards and sort it out. And uh, so, so number one, about staying out of jail, you have to forget about going to jail. If, right. If you it's not a factor. It, it can't be a factor or you can't do this, right? Yeah, just stop worrying about it. Just, you know. It, it just stop worrying about going to jail. So, um, I actually <laughs> it's not that big a deal me. anyway, really. Well, I mean, I've been in jail. It's just, you know, you get out the next day and everything's fine. Yeah. But you, you, uh, so yeah, that, that's not even a factor. That's not something you worry about. But if you're going to complete the run, you've got to have yes. some interdiction going on to keep that from happening or you've wasted the whole effort. So what exactly. do you do? You know, the first thing I did is I sourced a bunch of my countermeasures, is what we call them, from right. my 2019 Mustang Cobra. And one of those is an ALP. Uh, it's called a parking system. And what it actually is, it's a, a laser jammer. And It's a parking system. I see. So right. you set the car all up with these sensors on it, and you... Uh, reformat it so that it jams the lasers from the police officers. Right. That's that's one of the countermeasures I have. Right. Uh, I also use a Uniden R3, which at the time was one of the, the latest, greatest um, uh, radar detectors out there. So that's KA band sensitive thing, right? Yeah, everything's got KA axe, the whole, the whole works on right. it. And so I use that as my radar detector. I used Waze which is uh, basically app a police monitor. You're right. probably familiar with that. Right. And I also use Google Maps because Google Maps actually 
they they've started putting uh, monitoring police officers on Google Maps as well. Oh, that's good. So, so, and one of the important things, and a lot of people don't talk about this, is making sure both your ways and your Google Maps are on the same route, because being formatted differently, they'll reroute you different ways. Oh, so I guess they would. Yeah. So if you don't sync them so that they're they're both on the same route. You can wind up have one telling you to turn this way, one telling you to turn that way. If one thinks that Main Street's faster than High Street, just just as a right. for instance, so um, I use those as my countermeasures. Um, there's no thermal scopes on the car. There's there's not. I, yeah, I could never run them. There's, I'm just one person. Uh, a lot of it beyond that was, uh, you know, setting up my mirrors appropriately so I could see um, see like as soon as I go under an overpass. I could see the on-ramp from that side to see if there's an officer sitting there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it's uh, predetermined spotting. When you do this stuff, you learn to, to look for certain things like on overpasses, uh, sitting in the median under overpasses, certain areas of road where you can see that there's a crossover ahead where a cop could be sitting behind a berm. Right. Or, you know, a piece of construction equipment or anything like that. So. Right. You just get used to looking for the topography and the landscape and the construction and the engineering. And this is a speed trap. I'm coming yeah. up on it. If they're not using this as a speed trap, they're fools. Right. Oh, yeah. So you're immediately aware of all that stuff. Yeah. But yeah. so how many times did you run into a situation on the trip uh, that, I mean, you, you see a K.A. band. And going 159 and a half miles an hour, I mean, my detectors, I've got, I've got Beltronics RX-65s, and I've got, a, I've got a red line. And, I, you know, the, the red line's pretty good. And I can see a KA band, it, depending, on the, depending on the landscape, seven or eight miles out. Yeah. You know, I mean, it depends on the landscape. Now, if you're coming up over a hill, you may not be able to see that. And going that fast, it's hard to react quickly enough to keep from getting, uh, from getting popped. Because KA band, those of you who don't understand it, that uh, they can't read your speed before you read their beam. You'll see that way ahead of the time that that the their machine is picking up your actual data. That they detect before they can. Uh, we detect them before they can detect us and you so you have some reaction time on on a deal like that in a in a ka band situation you just stomp on the on the brakes these are factory brakes on this car they're not that good they're they're probably better than your gt5 oh good any brakes are better than those damn things i'm telling you (laughs) i think the back rotors on that thing are 200 millimeters they're they're little bitty look bicycle looking things are horrible uh but uh, now in the in the BMW, I can get that thing shut down. It's got yeah. it's got custom Brembo, I think those oh, are three yeah. eighties or something like that. But they're that 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 car slows down real real fast. But yeah. in a situation like that, you run up on a KA band signal. What do you do? Just stomp uh, on the brakes. Band signal, you know, for the most part, um, I didn't run into a lot of them. Number one, really. And number two. The ones, the ones that I did run into, you start blending in. You, you try to start blending in. You start trying to, you know, get slowed down, maybe get to the right lane. If you're in the left lane, try to get over to the right lane. 
so that you're not a sitting duck. Right. Um, you're not there by yourself in the yeah. in the gun. Yeah. Right. You try to you try to give them the reasonable doubt that it's not you. That's that's just you know kind of standard procedure. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times, I would pick them up on ways. Somebody may have already marked them, so mm -hmm. I was already slowed down. Um, I really never had an issue with the KA band in that capacity where I hadn't already seen them either on ways or spotted them way ahead. Um, it just wasn't an issue on this run. Now in the past, what we'd do is we'd run with no brake lights and we'd, uh, as soon as we hit something like that, we'd shut off our brake lights and slam on the brakes. So wherever they were, if they were behind us or wherever you'd slam on the brakes, they couldn't see you slow down and, you know, right. back to the same thing, kind of give them the, you know, well, it couldn't have been that guy because his brake lights didn't come on. So. Right. So you use a brake light killer on this thing. How long does it take to put that thing on? The red light killer as yeah. far as for traffic? No, 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 the, the brake light killer. Oh, brake light killer. Oh, it's, it's really easy. All you have to do is interrupt the, the signal and, and by the brake pedal. On the pedal. It's, so it's down under the dash. Yeah, it's just, just a toggle switch, and right. it, it's really easy to install those. Yep. Yeah, that should be handy. I might need to think about that. Uh, so, did you see anybody, any agencies running K-Band radar? No, I didn't. K-Band, I, I seldom if ever see K-Bands um, on any of the major interstates across the United States. We've got them around here. The, the, yeah. the, the county around here runs about, oh, probably half of their vehicles are K-Band. They're old units and stuff, but they, I mean, you've got to pay attention to that. The problem is, is you get so many false K-band signals from door openers yep. that it, it gets confusing. X-band, I don't pay any attention to anymore, but, but yep. the, the K-band stuff can be a problem uh, well, if the agencies I, are still running them, because some of the low budget places are still running that, that system. Oh, definitely. Well, the, the thing about that, though, is like you said it, though, is counties, it's not very often that you're running running up on sheriff's departments on the interstate. Not not where I run anyway. And pretty much. Well, yeah, that's a good point. You know, it's state yeah, police and local. Is highway patrol or state police? Right. So the, we, and you, you're 100 right as far as the KA band on the smaller, the smaller you know groups and individuals. But running across country, you're just not seeing those smaller police departments on the interstate running right. radar. They just aren't there. Right. Not in my experience, anyway. Somebody's out there going to be, oh, I've seen them, and maybe. Oh, right. you can see one or two, but by and large, uh, uh, interstate highways or state police jurisdiction, and uh, yeah. that's who that's who runs out there. And I'm seeing uh, here in Texas, I'm seeing some some cars, some DPS cars with laser, and you yeah. didn't used to see that. Yeah, you come up on somebody parked at 90 degrees to the pavement, they are probably lasering your ass. Yeah. And I got yeah. a ticket about two years ago uh, in a situation like that. And, man, he was right. He was in a perfect place. He was in a perfect place. He'd nailed my ass. And I was going, oh, prior to that, I'd probably been up at around 98. I'd gotten it down to about 85 yeah. In the 75, so he was coming up over the – I just felt like, oh, something, this, this doesn't look good. So I shut it down a little bit and still got a ticket. But, uh, yeah, I mean, laser's hard. Laser's hard. Uh, you got – Yeah, it's uh, 
you know, I've, I've, there's not a lot of stuff online about laser jammers. I've looked, and I kind of think that all of that is kept in-house. Uh, you can read up on laser jammers, and uh, they're hard to locate. And uh, there is, of course, that paint they used to sell for headlights. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, it has to be. And uh, that thing used to be for sale, but it's uh, a laser jammer uh, is a fairly complicated system, isn't it? I mean, you have to in you have to install uh, multiple emitters at various places on the front of the car, Correct. and all those things have to be coordinated into a central system. And yep. and I mean. What is a what is a laser jammer system properly installed actually cost? Two, three uh, grand? Properly installed, depending on how many sensors you wind up using. I want to say hours done with all the upgrades and everything was right around $3,000. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. You know, yeah. which is outside the scope of most people's oh, definitely. Uh, definitely. budget. But you know. if, if you want to drive fast right. and you want to keep your license... That's you know, what you do. You can pay that for an attorney trying to get you out to sell a feeding ticket. Well, you know that's a good point. <laughs> so, uh, who manufactures laser jammers? Is there one company doing this, or is this kind of a cottage industry that two or three guys are doing in in the garage and selling, you know, bootleg around black market kind of shit, or what's the? Pretty much the standard that ever, anybody uses, and it's called a parking system. It's parking uh, system. ALP's, ALP system. And what that does is it, it's a you reprogram it, so basically all it does is it's set up to jam lasers. And so the thing is designed to allow you to park the car with sensor information coming in from correct. these emitters that tells you where the front car, the car in the front is, car in the back, side curb, all that other stuff. Correct. So you've yep. got, you probably got emitters on both sides of the car, front and back, right? Yep. yep. And you reprogram from being emitters to receivers. And they'll uh, do that. Yes, that's the general general principle, yep. yep. And they'll do that. Yeah, it's, it, uh, my, my brother is the guru behind that. He's the guy who does all the filtering and stuff wow. on my on my radar detectors and my ALP. He could explain it better to you, definitely. But in a, in a nutshell, yes. Yeah, nutshell, I, I think yes. I understand the principle. It's just, that's, a, that's always probably going to be a real specialty item. I mean, if you're, if you're really, really serious about driving fast, three grand is worth the, I mean, you probably save that much in tickets in about a month. Oh, you very well could. Or yeah. at least attorney fees. So. Yeah, right. It's uh, what's the worst ticket you ever had? Oh, come on, Fred, just fess up. I, I would, but you won't believe me. I'll believe you. You're an honest. You're an honest man. You're not a pathological liar. You're crazy, but you're not a pathological I, liar. I don't have any major speeding tickets ever. I don't believe that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you, Fred. You're you can't boss. You don't have a major. You don't have an eighty-five and a sixty. Nope. Wow. What you're doing works. This is this is cool. This so, is cool. I told you you wouldn't believe me. So no. 
No, that's that's interesting. No, I I mean if uh, why would a guy gets tickets all the time be able to pull off a twenty five hour fifty five minute cannonball run? Because he's obviously too stupid to do that. So no, I believe you. That's that's just uh, just being careful, you know. Uh, I I get stopped, you know, once every two months probably. And sometimes I weasel my way out of it. Sometimes I don't. But, uh, you know, I have found that the cops like that car. They like that Shelby Mustang. Oh, yeah. The, the cops like it. They just they come up behind you and, man, this is a great car. And they'll be nice to you and shit. So, yeah. Uh, well, back to your laser jammers there for a second. Uh, now, a lot of people don't understand laser jammers. They just think you drive around and. And the cop hits you with a laser, and you basically give him the finger out the back window, and ha ha ha. You no, know, that's kind of stupid. That's not how it works. You, if you actually laser jam appropriately, you jam to interrupt their signal. Right. You, you it buys you some time to slow down, and that's all. Exactly. Right. One hundred percent correct. I completely understand that you can't sail by a laser at 160 miles an hour with a laser jammer because that's not what it does. Usually, without a laser jammer, when they lays you, when they when they put the beam on your tags on the front, you are yeah. caught. There is no yeah. lag time like there is with K or KA manned radar. Right. And uh, uh, so how many seconds does the jammer give you on average? In, it, it's... Uh. it's it allows your reaction time to actually get the damn thing down low enough that you you don't get the ticket. But what the, the, what's the, the time here? Jam as long as you want. I mean, if you want to drive by and jamming them, and they won't get a signal off you. But the problem with that is when they can't get a signal off you, that's when they know you have a jammer. Right. And that's where you you run into major problems. So usually, you know, most people that that run them that I know of, we use the theory of First thing that happens, your alarms will go off in your car. It'll say laser, and you'll flick your brake light switch off, pile on the brakes till you get down to a speed that you're comfortable with. Right, you know, five with over, races. ten over, whatever you're doing. Yeah, right. and you, then you you uh, flip the laser jammer off and let him let him and let him see you. Yeah. Ah, I see. Okay. I thought it just interrupted the signal for a period of time that was uh, determined by the physics of the of the system. But it will actually jam and interfere with him. So the problem, of course, is if he sees a car coming on him, and, and good cops know how fast you're coming up on them without the radar. They just need the number for the ticket, right? You, they're, all, they're all trained to identify speed. Yep. Coming up. So if you come up on the guy at 120 miles an hour, he sees that here's a car coming at about 120 miles an hour. What the hell is wrong here? He can't yep. see you. He knows now a radar jammer. And so he comes out and and stops you on the basis of the fact that you're running a radar jammer. Now, how many jurisdictions are there where radar jammers are actually illegal because it can't be all of them okay well radar jamming is 150 percent will put you in federal prison oh god almighty why laser jamming 
Laser jamming and radar jamming are completely different. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Radar jammers yeah. Uh, yeah. probably are regulated by the FAA. Yeah. You get caught with them, there's going to be no question. If they're going to call guys in a black car, and, and you're going to go see something more important than a judge. Right. So. Oh, God almighty. So is it FAA? What rules are you breaking with a radar jam? I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's an FAA thing. It's to do obviously with, you know, planes and military right, sure. and, and everything else along with that. Laser right. lasers and regulated that highly right now. Laser jammers are illegal in I used to know all the statistics, I don't. It, it's a half dozen states or a dozen states that uh, laser jammers are illegal. Uh, Virginia Virginia is one of the states that Radar detectors are illegal. Jammers are illegal. Um, if you get, they have actually radar detectors to detect your radar detector in Virginia. And yeah, I've, I've heard of those. I've, I've heard of those. It uh, it's at this point in Virginia, it's illegal just to make a living. You know, that's, that's a very strange place. Uh, but that's the only state I'm aware of in the forty, in the fifty, that a, a radar detector by itself is illegal. I mean, if you're yeah. running through Virginia, you got to unplug it and put it in the, in the glove box. Yeah. And hell, they may be able to even see it down. I don't have any idea, but the, uh, yeah, Virginia is, is not someplace you want to run a radar detector. Uh, but a laser jammer is actually illegal in six or 10 States. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. That's interesting. And I guess that, I mean, if they shoot you with their laser gun and nothing yeah. comes back to them, then, you know, they well, got your ass, if, don't they? Well, yeah. If, if you're, if you're jamming, jamming to jam, they, yeah, they're not going to get anything. But if you, if you do it appropriately, like you're discussing, right. turn the thing off, get down, yeah. get down to 10 over, turn it off and let them see you. Then they can't. Yeah. You know. Yeah, they're probably going probably gonna to benefit of the doubt you. They're not going to mess right. with you because they don't want to go over and split hairs with somebody like, well, I, I thought he was going faster, but, you know, maybe maybe I just looked up too quick. Or they're just not going to mm. mess with you. It's just not worth their time right now. Right. Paperwork. There's another guy going over. There's another guy going 15 over right behind you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That I've just passed at 120. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. And of course, there's something about human nature, man. You pass a guy going 120, he's going to speed up 10 miles an hour. Yeah. For some weird ass reason. That's just what he's going to do. We call them bogeys. We call them bogeys. If if they're going to drive that fast, we're going to ride behind them faster. Right. (laughs) So if you were going to put together a, a package of stuff to use to drive, too goddamn fast. What would it involve? Number one, is it a solo package for one person? Right. Or are you talking? A no, group I'm talking about me and my M6. What do I need? You and, you and your M6. You and your M6. I'd probably you know get an ALP system if you wanted to run you know regularly at high sustained speeds. I would I would look into the latest and greatest radar detectors because. Like anything else, if you don't keep up with technology, it's gonna just pass you by. And Are, they're changing that quickly, right? Oh yeah, yep. I didn't there's know already, that. There's a new R7 out from Uniden already, and uh, it's a great, it's a, a great radar detector. Everybody swears by it. And just like Ford, Chevrolet, and Dodge, everybody has their preferences in radar detectors. Right. Mine, mine happens to be Uniden. I'm, 
I'm looking forward to getting an R7. Uh, I would probably recommend you stepping up to the R7 as a good radar detector. Um, what do you, what and, do you pay for an R7? About five hundred. I didn't. I haven't looked up an R7, but a good radar detector, a really good one's going to cost you probably between five and eight. So. I've got that. I've got a red line. That thing was five hundred dollars. Yeah. Uh, I have radar detectors in every one of my vehicles. Yeah. And even if I, I'm even in my trucks because I want to know who's watching me. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it's not that I'm going to speed in the trucks because they're diesel trucks. I might go five over, but you know, it's not for that. It's like to know what the, once you drive with a radar detector for any length of time, I, it, you're blind without the damn thing. Yeah. You just really yeah. feel it's horrible but feeling. But you they know? also can give you a false sense of security. Too. They certainly can if you're not smart about how to use the damn things. That's yep. absolutely true. Yep. Uh, uh, if you if you think they work all the time, and if you think that you can get around these things, uh, these KA band guys that are exactly positioned, yep. where they know damn good and well you can't see them until they can see you, then you're going to get a ticket. Oh, yeah. and, and I've had it happen, but I, nonetheless, I want one hanging on the windshield just to tell me what the hell's going on around me. And it it gives me a sense of comfort just to know two miles ahead of time that there's a guy sitting up there on the, in front of it. And you get to where you use these things. You can tell if you're running with the guy, if he's coming up behind you, if he's in front of you, you can kind of get a feel for where everybody is. And that's just good to know that, you know, whether you're speeding or not, it's just good to know what the hell's going on around you. So I like them. I really do. I highly recommend a radar detector. And an entry-level machine like an RX-65 Beltronics works pretty good for $125. You know, it works pretty good. Um, But you get more time. The the primary deal is is detection sensitivity, I think. The R7, the unit on R7, probably tells you earlier what the RX-65 is going to tell you later. Right? Yeah. Is that that's, that's what you're paying Definitely. for? And and what I I tell you this is if you are going to run a lower end uh, radar detector, I'd recommend maybe running like a tablet with Waze on it. I don't know if you have one or not, but you can mount them on a visor or anything, and mm. you can just it just will trace your route where you're driving, and it'll tell you if there's a police presence. If you're gonna run, you know, one that doesn't have as good a range, I. I would recommend maybe a, a small tablet with the Waze running on it uh, if you don't have it running on your phone. But, you know, the unit in, you know, R7, obviously using Waze with it, is, it helps, a, helps some, but the unit in R7 does more than the, the other radar, the uh, lower-end radar detectors. So an R7 has an interface with Waze? Uh, you can... Or do you... Can, you- I, I mean, I so. seem Escort, to remember something about, uh, you know. Escort Live, what, I think, is what you're thinking of. One of them feeds into Waze. Uh, I know Escort right? Live has its own updates and stuff that, that um, you can go to Escort Live and uh, gives you gives you bulletins and stuff. Um, I don't, I've never had, I've never had an R7, so I can't tell you. But um, maybe it does now. I mean, you could be right. So. Well, that's, that would that would make Waze a lot more useful. If you've oh, got definitely. a constant stream of data from ever, all over the country coming into Waze, that's a pretty yeah. damn good system. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it at all. And I know at one point New York was trying to get Waze um, uh, banned in New York, 
to, to even use it. Well, of course. Yeah. So, it's New York. Of course. Yeah. You know, they're going to put people with COVID-19 in rest homes in New York. Well, of course they're going to ban weights. Yeah. <laughs> they're just, they're, they're soulless beasts in New yeah. York. I hate the place. I'm never being there again. So, oh, Jesus. So, so, uh, so to answer your question, uh, a really good radar detector, uh, you want to do some speeding and ALP, an ALP system and, you know, borderline, you could, you know, spin off that with a, a Waze app would probably get you about all you're really going to get for one person. Right. This is what I'm saying is one person, because beyond that, you still have to pay attention to where you're going at 120 miles an hour. Right. When you're, you're the primary job at 120 miles an hour is not running into the back of somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. That's the people don't understand this, Fred. If, if, uh, the biggest problem, uh, the most, the, the most likely factor in a highway speed accident is not people going too fast. It is people going too slow. True. It's, it's the speed differential. I mean, yeah. if you've got a highway with an 85 mile an hour speed limit on it and everybody on the highway is going 80 because at those speeds, most people don't go full speed limit. You know, yeah. 10% of them are going to be five over. You know, yeah. but the problems on a road like that are are little old men driving fifty five. Yeah. They're in the goddamn way. Yeah. And that's where you run in that's where you have big horrible road accidents in a situation like that. It's not the guy driving fast is not the problem. The guy no. driving too slow is the problem. And it's proven yeah. over and over and over again. Yes. Oh, it's a it's been recognized as a factor. Uh for a long time, and I guess when states jump up the speed limit, I think there's a section of I-10 out in West Texas where the speed limit's 85. Yep. I, I know there's 80-mile-an-hour speed limits here in Texas, but I think it's 85 out on I-10. I may be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But uh, I guess they really monitor that road before they raise the speed limit up to make sure that the thing's not infested with farmers. Yep. You know? Yep. Well, the, the thing with thing with that is is more often than not your farm stuff isn't allowed on the interstate anyway. So right, yeah, but I mean uh, farmers and pickups going home yeah. on I yeah. ten between yeah. you know, between one exit and another driving fifty five yeah. miles an hour. Yeah. That, that's I don't the think problem. there's that, that many down there off I ten. No, <laughs> maybe not. Really it's not really farmland, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's mainly just jackrabbits and cactus and shit over there. But uh uh, I guess that's, you know, we probably tied you up long enough. It, it, is there any, uh, have you got any plans for a book or a website or anything? You, um, I think you need I to have, write a book on this because, and I I'll tell you, I think you need to write a book. And, and the reason I think you need to write a book is because of this stuff I've asked you about today. All right. There's a certain percentage of the population. Most of them male, a few girls, most of them male that are just going to drive fast because it's what we like to fucking do. All right. Yeah. And I'm willing to get a ticket every once in a while and do deferred adjudication. That's just, as far as I'm concerned, that's just a tax. 
that we pay for getting to drive fast. You know, I don't think it is the cost of doing business. I'm not doing anything intrinsically evil. I'm just driving too goddamn fast, but it's what I like to do. I don't have any more fun anymore. I'm 64 years old. Uh, I don't ride horses anymore. I don't ride motorcycles. Uh, so this is just what I do for fun. Uh, and occasionally there are problems with it. I, you know, here, we've got a bunch of feral hogs down here. I just wrecked my fucking M six a couple of weeks ago, ran into a pig on my way home, standing in wow. the middle of uh, a feral hog. I don't know if you've got them up where you live, but, uh, no, fortunately we don't. they'll be there for it's over with. I promise you. They're just like, you know, welfare right. recipients. They show up everywhere. So, uh, <laughs> This thing, feral hogs have got a, a horrible trait. Their eyes do not glow in your headlights. Oh, yeah. You can see a deer a long way off, and you got yeah. time to react to a deer. But feral hogs are the color of dirt because they're covered with it, and yeah. their eyes do not shine, and you can't see the damn things. And wow. they're, they're short and dense, and they will run right out into the front of your car and you have literally no time to react because you hadn't seen them. There's nothing to yep. react to. Yep. And I hit one on the way home the other night and screwed the car up pretty bad. Just the front end of it. It's all bolt on shit. The engine and frame are straight. But nonetheless, I don't know, Fred, what is the right speed to run into a feral hog? You know, I was probably going 70 in a 60. I hit him going 70, but would, would 45 have been better? <laughs> uh, you can't react anyway. So, I mean, it's going to happen, right? Yeah. There's just shit like that's going to happen every once in a while. So, uh, uh, this is one of the prices we pay for, you know, driving nice cars too fast. But, yeah, uh, I, I'd like to, I'd like to read a book written by a guy like you, in fact, we'd publish the damn thing. Just here's a business offer. We'd publish the damn thing. I'd like to read a, a book by a guy like you that has had professional experience with breaking the speed statutes all over the country. And uh, I'm telling you, Fred, that is sell, man. Yeah. That is sell. There's 10% of the, of the people in the country will buy that book. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. It may get our asses in, in trouble, but I don't think so. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing I, to do it. I think you'd love the story that in the same week that I broke the world record cross country, yeah, I, I drove back to Oklahoma, picked up my dad, drove to Atlanta, and then smashed the record in the Bandit Run in the same rental car. Oh God, oh Now, what's the Bandit Run? Tell me about that. I'm not familiar with that one. Have you ever watched Smokey and the Bandit? Well, sure, everybody's watched Smokey and the Bandit. Well, yeah, well, it's it's the same run that Burt Reynolds does in the movie. Yeah. He, he drives from Atlanta Motor Speedway to uh, Texarkana, Texas to get beer and then goes back to Atlanta Motor Speedway. <laughs> so. That's back when Coors was only available in, in Texarkana, I guess. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's, so, that's pretty. And, and how long is that? It's uh, that's almost probably 1,400 miles. The round trips, 1,400 miles. Round trips, right. 1,400. And uh, we, we uh, on the way back, I blew a tire with 368 oh. miles to go at 130. And uh, in the last two hours to break the record by 40 minutes, 
we averaged 106. Wow. What what kind of tires? So that's a real good question. I ain't thought about asking. What kind of tires did you do you prefer? If you're going to do this, what do they what what tires come on that rent car? Did you change them out? Or, I, I had to. I blew the tires right off the back. No, I'm I'm talking about the on the first run. Um, the first run I had Pirellis on it. That's what you rented it with. No, I didn't do anything custom. I just used what was on the car. There, there and those are speed rated tires, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they were just limited at the 159 or 160. But uh, I think driving at that speed for such a high rate of time. It kind of took the center right out of the tire because they're mm-hmm. a real soft compound. And then when I went right. did the next run on the Bandit race, it just it, it was, just finished them off. It was thin. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so, Pirelli's. I actually, I actually like the Neato tires. That's what I've got on my Mustang. Yep, I like Just the Neato. Neato five fifties. Yep. And yep. Uh, yeah, I think I'm ready for a new set. But yeah, that's. Uh, I tried driving that Mustang with uh, all-season tires on it uh, for a while, and it, it that was a real stupid idea. It's, they're just it's, not fun. They're, it's, 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 you're just thinking to yourself, every curve you go around, you're thinking to yourself, what would it be like to be in that barbed wire fence over there at <laughs> 70 miles an hour? That's, you know, because it's just, it doesn't feel good. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> damn thing doesn't feel good but uh so yeah i went back to those but you don't you don't have a, a preference for did, so the guys that did the thing in the amg what tires did they use because i'm sure that was a that was a car was custom designed for this run so yeah, what I'm did they sure use what, i'm not sure what arnie had on it um and for some reason michelin's coming to the top of my top of my thoughts but mm-hmm. I, I could be wrong but i think he had michelin's on it and again, uh, Arnie or Doug would definitely tell you. Um, I, I always like the Nitos. Uh, Michelin's a good tire. Um, honestly, to do what I was doing, I like something with a, a little harder compound myself yeah. because you're driving them so long, they're going to get softer anyway. Right. So if you already have a soft tire, driving at that extended amount of time is going to make the compound even that much softer. And, so, and um, wear it out even faster. So you're exactly. right down to the carcass before you want to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, nobody wants that. So. No, no, that's bad. You don't want to see the threads on no. the thing. I've done that before when I was long time ago, when I was buying used tires all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I got pretty good at finding good used tires for twenty bucks. Like thirty-five years ago, I could go into a tire shop and I think I want that one, and it'd be, you know, good tire for twenty bucks. But that's that's those days are gone. You well, can't, no, you can't do not. that if you're driving like a crazy person all the time. It's funny you say that because uh, when I turned the rental car in, I, I stopped at a used tire shop and put two used Michelins back on the car, and he charged <laughs> me 20 bucks. So. <laughs> so the used tire business is still alive. That's good it's to know. It's alive and well. That's good to know. That's good to know, man. <laughs> oh, God. Well, Fred, thank you for being with us today. This has been a fun conversation, and uh, – you know, we're not, Fred and I are not encouraging you to disobey the law. You must understand that we're not suggesting that you disobey the law. We're just suggesting that if you do, there's a proper way to do it. And uh, uh, 
Fred, thank God for you, man. In these days of safety, everybody must be safe. Nobody must take risks. Nobody must leave their house without their mask because somebody somewhere might get sick. It's good to know that crazy bastards like you are still out there with big, giant, cantaloupe-sized balls doing cool shit. And I appreciate your being here with me. Thank you for having me, and oh, God, don't break yes. the law while you're breaking the law. No, absolutely not. And <laughs> thank you for being with us on Stardy Strength Radio. We'll see you next time.